Thank you for listening to the Reclaim Church podcast. We hope that this message is a blessing to your life. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX. Now please enjoy this message. I'm going to get right into the message. The title of the message is A Kingdom United. And, and we're in this series called Unshakable Kingdom. What we've been talking about lately is the kingdom of God and how really it is unshakable. And even when the world shakes, even when the world goes through what the world goes through, the kingdom of God remains unshaken. And so in Matthew chapter 12, verse 22 to 30, if you have your Bibles, I, re- I want you to turn there. I'm reading out of the ESV uh, version of the Bible. It says, then a demon oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him and he healed him. So that the man spoke and saw, and all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid to waste. And no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds a strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. Lord, we thank you that you've allowed us to continue to spread your word, God, online and in, new, in different avenues and different ways. But, Father, I pray, God, that today our hearts and our minds would be open to hear your word. Lord, we thank you again for all the mothers, God, in our lives, and we're blessed by them. And I pray they would be blessed today. Lord, I pray that this message would not be from my own thoughts or my own opinions, but, Lord, let this message be led by the voice of your Holy Spirit. You get the glory always in Jesus' name. Amen. So really what's happening is Jesus is now having to defend himself against a ridiculous and foolish accusation from the Pharisees. He casts out the demon and the Pharisees are now saying, oh, he casts him out by the power of the devil. And, and really what was happening, the fact that Jesus was casting out demons was not a sign that the devil was having, had more power. But in fact, it was a sign that the kingdom of God was now among the people. Because what Jesus was doing was he was going and he was beginning to take from the enemy. He was beginning to take the possession of the enemy away from him. He was taking people out of the kingdom of darkness and bringing them into the kingdom of God. And so he's saying, because I'm doing this, it is a sign among you that this kingdom of God is now in your midst. And Jesus has already said that. I I am the kingdom. I am among you. I am in your midst. And so what Jesus was doing is he was taking ground for the kingdom. In this story, he's taking ground for the kingdom and he's making it obvious to the Pharisees that they need to understand that he wasn't coming against the power of the devil with the power of the devil because that made no sense. But in this story, Jesus is teaching us this great truth and he has this opportunity to give us a great lesson of the kingdom of God. And really what he's talking about is unity. A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. A kingdom that comes against itself will not sin. Unity matters. Unity is important, and not just in the, in the grand scheme of the kingdom, and not just even just in the churches, but in your own homes, with your families, in your marriage, in the relationship with your children, 
In the relationship with your parents, unity matters. It matters that we're unified. So what, what causes division? I'm going to go through this a little bit. I believe that the enemy desires to see the work of God destroyed. It's, it's, it's his goal to see the plans of God fail. Now, God doesn't fail, but sometimes he uses people that do. And so it's the enemy's desire to see the plans of God fail. In John 10, 10, it says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. See, the enemy's one goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. And he wants to come in. He wants to cause division in your homes. He wants to cause division in your relationships. He wants to cause division in your church. He wants to cause division so that he can separate you from the kingdom of God. If he can separate an individual, that is success in his eyes. If he can get one person away from the kingdom of God, that is success to his own plans. It's his desire. So what he does, I believe, is, is he uses lies about God and about us. He'll begin to speak things to our mind like, oh, God doesn't love you and God doesn't care about you. And, and why should you pray and why should you read and why should you try? Because you failed. He's, not, he's angry with you. He's upset with you. Do these thoughts sound familiar? When we go to prayer, what's the first thing we think? Oh, again, I don't belong here. I'm not good enough. When we're at church, when we, we've had those moments at church, we want to worship. What do we think of? All, all my mistakes, all my failures, all the reasons why I cannot worship. So he puts these lies in us because if we can, get to, if we can begin to believe those lies, then we'll begin to separate and distance ourselves from the king. And if we distance ourselves from the king, we, dis we distance ourselves from the kingdom. But he'll begin to tell us things about ourselves. He'll begin to tell you things about your church. Oh, they don't love you. They don't care about you. You're an outcast. You're not welcome there. You, you don't get along with everybody. He'll, he'll begin to tell us these things. And the more we believe him, the more distance we put between us and the groups and the families and the relationships that God has placed in our lives to help us. So he, he has this personal separation, but not just with lies of how we think about God or how we think about ourselves, but even with temptation of sin. Because those that fulfill the lusts and desires of their flesh cannot, cannot mix, I guess is the best way to put it, with the kingdom of God. Because when we walk in our flesh, how can we be united in spirit? And so what he does is he'll tempt us using our own desires, our own selfish desires. He'll begin to tempt us to walk in sin because if we walk in sin, we cannot walk in the kingdom. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Sin pulls us away from our inheritance of the kingdom. So what he does is he lies to us. He'll tempt us because he wants to see these things. He wants to see the kingdom of God destroyed. He wants to see God's plans in your life destroyed. And if he can just separate you just a little bit, 
then you can't be successful in unity. But he doesn't, it's not just these things, it's even within our own self. Our own selfishness caused division in our lives. Hebrews 13, 5, and, and we read this, we read Hebrews chapter 12 last week, and then we talked about the unshakable kingdom. And I love that the very next chapter, he begins to talk about brotherly love. He says that since you've been given this kingdom, this unshakable kingdom, and then he immediately goes into talking about loving one another. And in verse 5, he says this. He says, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. See, coveting one another causes division in our relationships. Our own selfish desires cause division, not just in our own, not just in our church, but even within our own homes and our own marriages. Think about it. When we want what we want, what do we fight for? What we want. I want it my way. And if it's not my way, then we're going to have a problem here. We're, we're used to the way our lives used to be before we got married, before we got into this marriage, before we, got, before we had kids, before we started coming back to church. And now it's like, no, 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 you're messing up my desires. And when we don't get our way, then it causes division out of selfishness. And when there's selfishness, there's a need to be fulfilled by everybody else. It's like, well, you give me what I want because I need you to, to provide that for me. Instead of the other way around, imagine if every marriage and every relationship had the idea of like, let me give my very best to my spouse. Let me do everything they want me to do. Let me talk to them just how they want me to talk to them. Let me give them what they want me to give them. Let me treat them how they want me to treat them. Imagine if every relationship was like that on both sides. How much unity would be in that family? If we were living for one another. How much unity would be in the church if we were living for one another? Instead of saying, well, he never called me. Why don't we call them? Imagine that. But what causes division? It's our selfish desires. See, we begin to covet when the Lord is not enough. When God is not enough for us, we look for fulfillment everywhere else. And when we look for fulfillment everywhere else, we expect others to give us what we desire. And if people are not giving us what we desire, then we, be, we become upset, we become frustrated, and what happens? We begin to separate from those relationships. Now, you may not be physically separated, but you could be mentally checked out. You could be emotionally drained because we want things from people and we covet what they have because we're empty of the Lord. But when we have him, when we're fulfilled by the spirit of God, then everything people can give us, although it's good things, it's never going to fill us like God. It's never satisfying like he is. That's why I love that it says that right after. Do not be content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be content with what you have because he is more than enough. When we have him, when we are, when we are fulfilled by God, our selfishness and our, our selfish desires and our insecurities, they don't consume us because we're consumed by him. So these things cause separation. And one more, one more thing I want to point out. I believe hidden hurts cause separation. Mark eleven twenty five 25 says, And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you 
your trespasses. I think it's so important to God that we forgive others. Not just because we've been forgiven, but I think there's something about, there's a, there's a freedom in us when we can forgive what others have done to us. There's a freedom within our own soul when we can begin to forgive people that have hurt us. Because hidden offense is a small step on the road to division. When we hide our offenses, when we hide our hurts, eventually they come out. Have you ever been in an argument? Those, you know, if you're watching, you're married. Have you ever been in an argument or, or you've been in a season where you think, like, everything's cool, right? Like, you think everything's good. Like, man, man, this season of marriage is really good. I, I mean, I've experienced it. Babe, you know it's true. I love you. Uh, but we've been through this where I'm thinking everything's cool, right? Like, yeah, everything's good. We're living life. And then all of a sudden we get into an argument. And then, like, all this stuff comes out. Like, well, you did this, and you said this, and it's like, whoa, whoa, when that happened like months ago, weeks ago, years ago, but it's coming out. Why? Because it's a hidden hurt. And so hidden hurts will reveal themselves in moments of confrontation. They reveal themselves in moments of discomfort or moments of, of def being defensive against yourself or for yourself. And so when you, look, when you talk about hidden offense in the church, we come to church and we're like, oh, everything's good. I'm good. I, I'm fine. We're good with people until they really get to know us, until they have a relationship where there's a little bit of confrontation. And then that's when the hidden hurt comes out. And when the hidden hurt comes out, what do we do? We push people away. We push people away. Because I don't want to be hurt again. I don't want to be hurt like this, that, like I was in the past again. Because the truth is this, hurt people hurt people. But healed people help people. When we come into the church, any relationship, listen, we have to get those hidden hurts right with God. And God doesn't want, God is not expecting us to just cover them up and say, okay, well, I guess they never happened and I'll just let them go. No, no, no. He wants to go in and heal those things. He wants to heal you from your hidden hurt. Because hidden hurt it causes distrust. And distrust causes division. And when we want to build a, a church and a, a culture with even, you should want this in your house. When we desire this culture of unity, this, this kingdom trait, it's a kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of God. It's a trait of his kingdom, unity. Then we have to be open and honest about our hurts. Because if we're not, then we won't trust people. And if we can, how can we have unity with somebody we do not trust? We have to allow God to heal these things. Colossians 3, 13 through 14 says, Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I, I would ask you, if I've ever offended you as a pastor, if I've ever said something that bothered you, have done something that bothered you, or didn't do something that you expected me to do, I'd ask you to forgive me. I'd ask that from you. Because as the scripture talks about it, we should look at each other and forgive one another when we're offended. When there's a complaint, well, you did this and you did that, and it really bothered me. Okay, I'm, can, can, we, can we live a life of forgiveness with one another? Can we learn to let it go? Can we learn to, to, to see the best in each other? Because that will bring unity. 
That will bring you, listen, people will make mistakes. Like I was thinking about this while I was putting the message together. Like we've only been a church for a year. And if that's a year, even if you count the months where we're not really together, we've been separated and I miss you all. But we've been a church for only a year and we're still learning a lot about each other. We're, as a church, we're, we are still learning. I'm still learning. My wife and I, we're still learning how to be pastors. We've never done this before. <laughs> like it's our, right? We're going, we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to do something that bothers somebody else. Everybody, because nobody's perfect. But if we were to make up in our minds as a church to say, you know what? I'm going to forgive when I'm offended. And I'm going to allow God to convict me if I'm holding offense or bitterness towards somebody else. Because bitterness causes division. Hidden hurts cause division. Offense causes division. And God desires unity as a church. I want to protect this unity. I love what God has built. I, like, I don't have a lot of complaints about our church. I love our church. I love the people that, that God has brought together. I love you guys. I really do. I pray for you. And I want to protect what we have. We have a good, we have, there's a good spirit when people come into our church. There's a, the Holy Spirit is here. There's a connection with one another. And I want to protect that. So how can we protect that? How can we make this a priority? See, unity to protect it is simple, but it is not easy. It's, it sounds easier, it's easier said than done. One of the things that we can do to protect this unity is to love one another. 1 John 3, 23 and 24, it says, And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. This, this is one of the greatest commandments that we have, and it's one of the most obvious traits of unity, is to love one another. And when we think of love, we can think of it as like, oh, a hug or a handshake or a how are you doing? But love, when you look about, when you think about the church, love is much more than an, it's much more than a, than a phrase or a gesture. Loving each other means to serve one another. To serve one another. To look out for each other. To have each other's best interests in your heart. It's to, to pray for, to cover, to protect, to fight for, to forgive, to inspire, to encourage, to, to challenge. This is all traits of love. To sacrifice of your time for somebody else. To, to do what's best for each other instead of just what's best for me. That will establish a culture of unity. When we begin to look at each other, even when, we, when we're back together, and we say, okay, what's best for that person? How can I live to make that person's life better or, make, or help them get closer to the Lord? This is love. Philippians 2, 4 says, let each of you look out not only of his, to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. When we love each other, we truly want the best for one another. So that means that we don't covet when somebody has what we want. 
but we're happy for them. When somebody gets the job that we've been praying for, when somebody gets the income that we've been praying for, when somebody has the healthy marriage and the healthy family that we've been praying for, we don't covet them or we don't say, oh, well, they're probably different at home and we don't talk about, no, no, we love them and we're happy for them. Just, uh, we've said this before, just because God blesses somebody else doesn't mean he can't do the same for you. Don't use somebody else's blessings as a reason to be jealous or angry, but use it as a, as a gauge to say, man, if he did it for them, he can do it for me too. I would say if there's somebody who has what you've been praying for, get around them. Pray for them. Encourage them. Tell them, hey, man, I see your marriage is really healthy. I've been praying for that. What have you been doing? Well, you know why we don't do that? Because that, re- that requires humility. That requires us saying, I don't have it all together, and I need your help. And that's why we need to love one another. Because when there's love, I can say, you know what? I know he really cares about me. And so if I go talk to them, he's not going to make me feel bad. He's not going to make me feel less than, but he's going to help me. And we should all have that attitude. If somebody comes to me, I'm not going to try to make them think that I'm better than them. No, I'm going I'm to help them. I want to do my best for them. This is love. This is loving each other, being there for each other. You know, in this time... In, in my prayer time, I'm, gonna be, I'm very transparent. I'm very open with our church, and so I'm not afraid to say this. But in this time, I've been like, man, Lord, we, we could have done better. I feel like we could have done better in this whole quarantine time. You know, and, and we can chalk it up to, to um, I guess, I, I can't even think of the word, but, but we could have done better. And I pray that in this next season that the Lord's hand is upon us and he, he gets us through. But guys, I, I, as, as the pastor of this church, and, and I know that this is uncommon, but I want to say that if I didn't do what you expected me to, and I could have, I want to say sorry for that. I want to apologize and say that if I could have, I, I, I know that we probably could have done a lot better, but we tried, and I hope that you honor that, that we did our best. But I want you to know that when we come together, even now as, as we pray for one another, there is genuine, genuine love. And if there's anything that you need from us, or from me and my wife and my family, I want you to know that we will do our very best to be there for you. Our very best. And this is not even in my notes, but I just wanted to share that from my heart to our church. That as this season is kind of shifting, we're shifting gears here, and we're going to go to another, another phase like they all say. I want you to know that if you need anything, call me. We, we want to be there for you. We want to help you. We want to pray with you because we genuinely love. But see, loving each other, is, is, it doesn't end there. It's not like, oh, all you got to do is love. No, we also have to learn to honor each other. Honor is to hold with high esteem or to hold with high respect and great esteem. I love what it says in Romans 12.10. It says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. Instead of competing for honor, we should be competing to honor. We should be competing to be the first one to open the door and the first one to serve the cup of coffee and the the first one to, to give up our seat for a visitor. That should be us. To honor, to be competing, to honor 
people. To say, man, I, I see your value. Because love, yes, it's affection, and there's, and there's major decisions in love, but honor is recognition of someone's spiritual value. I honor you as a creation and son and daughter of God. I honor you as my wife, or I honor you as, 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 as my husband. I honor you as my kids. I honor you because you're made in the image of God. The scripture says that how can we say we love God if we hate our brother? How can we say we love God who we can't see if we hate our brother who we can see? I would say how can we honor God if we can't honor our brother if he was made in the image of God? Honoring one another. Putting others higher than yourself. Imagine if we all lived that way. I believe that we can. So we, 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 we protect unity by loving one another, by honoring one another. And this last one, I'm almost done here, is, is we, we hold tight to the vision. Because when we're, when we're focused on the vision, we don't have time for petty things. Acts chapter 15, verse 35 through 41. This is a very interesting story. It says, but Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take, them, take, take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, and having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. There's a sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas, and so much so that they end up separating and going to different locations. But what, I, what we notice here is even though they were, dis they were in disagreement with the specifics of that situation, even though they separated and went to different locations, they still preached the gospel. They still kept the mission in their hearts and in their minds. See, unity is not agreeing on everything. Unity is not saying, oh, yes, of course, you want to do it that way, let's do it that way, and everybody's happy, and, and unity is not everybody being happy all the time. Unity is not agreeing on all the little things and all the big things. Unity is agreeing on the main thing. To say, I agree with the vision and the mission of the house of God. And when we can get behind that together, that breeds unity. When we can understand that God has called our church. Listen, our church is called to do different things from other churches. That's just the truth. So if we can get behind what our church has been called to do, understanding that we have a goal, and, and that goal is to fulfill God's plan, then all the other little disagreements, not a big deal. Well, I don't like all the lights that they use, and I want the lights on during worship. Well, I want the lights off during worship, and I want it louder, and I want it lower, and I want, can you, can you dress in a suit? Can you, can you keep, you know, wear a T-shirt? It's like, oh, my gosh, who do we please? We please God. We, at the end of the day, we do what God has called us to do. At the end of the day, if you're going to let those things separate you from the things of God, that's, that's up to you. 
But I would encourage you to get behind the vision and to ignore the petty issues. It's like if it's not packaged in the way that you want, can you at least look at the message that's being preached? Can you at least listen to the goals? Because a divided church is unable to to fulfill its potential. And really, a divided church will not last. But if we can come together and unify behind the mission that God has given us, there's nothing that can stop us. See, we cannot have victory over the enemy if we're constantly fighting each other. You, You can't have victory over the things in your own life if you're constantly upset with the things in everybody else's life. Is that, are we getting that today? Amen? I'm like, who's it? Who's that? <laughs> I miss everybody. Keep your eyes on the goal, not on the flaws of people. Because if you choose to only focus on the flaws of people, then you'll have something new to look at every single day. And you will, it'll be very difficult to stay focused. For me, I'm learning to see the best in people and keep my eyes on the Lord. I would almost say that you can't see the best in people unless your eyes are on the Lord. Because when you look at him, when you're focused on him, you begin to look at people, how he looks at people. And he, trust me, he sees our flaws. But he also sees us as those that are loved and those that are called and those that have purpose. So really, the kingdom of God, really, when you think about it, the kingdom of God cannot be divided. It can't be. The kingdom of God is eternal, it's unshakable, and it cannot be divided. Because it's the spirit, it's the spirit of God that unifies this kingdom. So it's either this, it's either you're in the kingdom and united with the kingdom, or you're not in the kingdom. We cannot come into the kingdom and divide it. We can divide a church, we can divide a home, but we cannot divide the kingdom. So if we want to be in the kingdom, we have to be in unity with the will of God. We're either all in or all out. I like when Jesus says it, when he's talking about division of kingdom. He says, whoever is not with me is against me. That's it. There is no middle ground. If you're not with me, you're against me. If you're not gathering with me, you're scattering. What is he saying? If you're not doing what I'm doing, you're doing the opposite of of what I want to be done. Jesus lays it out very simple. Again, the church can have division. Our homes can have division. But the the kingdom of God cannot because it's the Holy Spirit that unifies this kingdom. And it's that same spirit that unifies the church. It's that same spirit. It's the spiritually deprived that bring division. It's those who say, I have the spirit of God, but really don't. It's those who say, I walk with the Lord, but are really empty of the Lord. Those are the people that come in and cause division. Jude 1.19 says, it is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. When we come into a church and all we see is what is wrong, all we see is why we don't want to be here, all we see is why we don't like them, maybe, maybe take a look back and say, do I have the Spirit of God in my life? Because it's these who are devoid of the Spirit who bring division. I don't want to be that person. And I know you don't either. And I'm not saying that anybody is. What I'm saying is that we need to be very, very, very protective over unity. And our individual part is to say, okay, Lord, fill me with your Spirit. Because when we're filled with the Spirit of God, we're unified with those who are filled with the Spirit of God. 
And when we're unified together, we can accomplish much more than we can do by ourselves. When we're fully surrendered, Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, these are the last scriptures and then we're done. And then husbands, I hope you're cooking for your wives today. I, I actually am not. But only because Jessica wanted something very specific and I said, babe, I'll cook anything, but I can't, I don't know how to make that. And so she's like, well, I'll just do it. So I'll, I'll at least serve it and maybe I'll, maybe I'll clean. No, I'll clean. I promise, babe, I'm cleaning today, okay? Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. John 17, 20 through 23 says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the, wor the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Jesus makes it very clear. A sign to the world that he has come is unity amongst the children of God. And unity amongst the children of God is only accomplished when we're filled with the Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit that brings unity. And that's why we make it very simple at our church because unity must be protected. It must be protected. And we've made it very simple by one phrase, love God and love people. If we live that, if that is our lifestyle where we live and we love God and we love people, then we will be people of unity and we will not be stopped as a church and we will accomplish all that God has put in our hearts and called us to accomplish. And I know that you're, on, you're, on, you're in it with us and we're going to do great things for the Lord. And although we've kind of slowed down a little bit because of all this stuff that's been happening we have not stopped and the greater seasons are still to come and i'm so i'm, I'm not just saying this but i'm genuinely happy that you're with us and i know you're going to stick stick it out with all of us and so let's pray today father we thank you for this time together lord i pray god that every word that i said will not be misinterpreted god but lord let it come from a place of love jesus now, we want to see your will done in our church, God. And the only way to accomplish that, Lord, is to be united in one spirit, and that is your Holy Spirit. So today I thank you, Jesus, for such a wonderful, wonderful church family. And I pray, God, that in this next season, we would learn to, we would learn to love one another, to honor one another, and to live in unity to, for your will and your glory. Thank you. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX or check us out on our website, ReclaimChurchTX.com. Thank you for listening.